Hey, what's up, everybody? Will with ScheduleFly. Very excited today to have Marshall Davis on the phone. Uh, Marshall is in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he is the beverage director and bar manager at Centro. Um, and Centro is, uh, we've talked about Centro before. We've had another colleague of his from Centro on here. Pepe was on here last week. And <clears throat> Angela Salamanca, uh, who started Centro, has was been in our book. She's been on this podcast. She's a friend and uh, an amazing lady. And uh, so is it seems like everybody that works with her. So um, Marshall and, and Angela actually have a new project uh, that they're going to be working on. So we're going to find out all about that today. So Marshall, thank you very, very much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, my pleasure. So, okay, we'll dive right in, man. Tell me about your background in hospitality. When did you get started and where have you been before you were part of uh, uh, Centro? So, you know, I guess my my first steps into hospitality were, you know, being a host at Applebee's when I was um, 16 years old. <laughs> I grew up here in Raleigh um, and had quite a few jobs in my teens. Um, I don't I don't think I particularly excelled at any of those, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it made me spending money for the, the summers and all that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, when I, when I started college, uh, I went off to Greensboro and, um, started my degree and got lucky my first year of college and got a record deal, um, and ended up pursuing music for almost a decade. Wow. Um, and I, I moved out to LA, um, you know, we've, we signed with the label out there and, and then spent the, you know, basically the next 10 years touring, um, about 10 months out of the year. Oh, that's um, cool, man. Well, hold on. I want to stop you there. I'm just, just, that, that's fascinating. So what did you, did you sing or did you play an instrument and to, what kind of music did y'all play? I sang, uh, this was actually my first band. Um, I'd always been a music fan growing up. Um, I was into, you know, punk rock and stuff like that. Um, and I met some guys at, at UNCG that were playing music um, I had sung in like my church choir and there's a, a thing called the Raleigh boys choir, um, here in Raleigh that I was a part of when I was a kid. Um, but never, you know, never did it in any sort of rock and roll way. <laughs> and certainly uh, not punk these, rock. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm certainly with you. not punk rock. Um, but I met these fellows and we became friends, um, through music, um, through similar taste in, in other music and they needed some money to record, um, and I had a couple of jobs that I was decent at. <laughs> um, and so I had had a little bit of money and I said, I'll help you out with the money to record. If y'all let me play piano um, on one of the songs, um, I just want to say that I've, you know, been a recording artist at some point in my life. So I, I helped him out with some, some extra money to get recording. And we went in the studio and one thing led to another. Um, the producer said that the singer that they had brought in, he didn't have the have the, the chops for it or whatever it was. Um, and so my, my best friend at the time, Jeff, our drummer, he, he said, why don't you get in there and uh, see what you can do? I heard you sing when you were a kid. I was like, yeah, well, I sang in church choir and stuff. He's like, well, you know, it can't be too different. <laughs> so I uh, went in and, um, and sang on that record and things worked out um and so I, a, a few weeks later i became the singer of that band the the old singer quit um and then we we started to pursue it a little bit heavier um once once we started getting some attention um so yeah wow was, so you guys got a you got a record deal you moved to la you were doing it for 10 years dude that's 
that's a that's a, a very tiny percentage of people that um, have bands have that opportunity, man. So that's that's badass. That's awesome. <laughs> it was it was real fun. I mean, it definitely wasn't. Uh, you know, my family wanted me to kind of run the the straight path, and they had always been supportive of my creative ventures. You know, I'd always been into art. Um, and you know, like I said, some music, but kind of in a different light. Um, but like you said, you know, opportunities like that don't come around no. too often. And, um, I was doing well in school. I enjoyed school, but I figured it was, it was now or never. So we did that. Um, we had a few music videos hit the hit MTV before it was, you know, n- no music on that channel. Um, and we did some international touring and, you know, we never, we were never, never superstars by any means, but I was able to, to see the world and, and have fun doing it for, you know, just shy of a decade. So. Wow. That's really cool. Okay. So you did that. Then you I did, that. did you come back? Were you doing hospitality any out there before you came back or did you? No, I, I, I really, I, I was kind of out of it for, for almost, yeah. you know, almost all of my twenties. And then when I, I moved back, uh, we decided to call it quits. Um, you know, our, our drummer had a little girl and we all started to kind of evaluate what, you know, we knew what our twenties looked like. We wanted to see what our thirties were going to look like. And yeah. um, I decided that if I wasn't, if we weren't going to be doing the, the music full time, um, that I needed to kind of get it out of my system. So I shaved my head. Um, I had long blonde hair at the time. <laughs> I uh, shaved my head, moved, moved back to Raleigh and enrolled at the school of design uh, at NC state um, and started my degree there picked up kind of where I left off and at the same time I needed some work so I got a job at uh, a college bar as a bartender it was called the keg um, and it was no frills um, you know just exactly what you'd expect right across from university Um, and at the same time uh, a a contemporary of mine in the design school named Vensana um, he was opening up a restaurant called Bitamanda. Ah, um, Van. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Van, um, you know, through connections and through the design department, um, you know, I told everybody that, you know, with the money I'd saved doing music, eventually I wanted to open a bar or restaurant. But, you know, my experience there was fairly limited. I knew what I liked. Um, I really loved the, you know, entertaining aspect of everything. Um, but I, I knew that to be good at it, I, I needed to start at the bottom and learn all the, all the different stuff. So that's one of the reasons why I took the job as a bartender at, the, at this college bar, just to get some bartending experience. It seemed like everybody who was hiring wanted experience, but there was no way to get it. Um, so I got the job there. Then I found out the van was opening a restaurant. I reached out to him and asked him if I could be a line cook, um, you know, just to cover my bases. And he found out about my story and put me in touch with his with his beverage coordinator, Jordan Hester. And Jordan said, I'd be much better suited behind the bar than on the line. Um, you know, I, I was used to being around people and talking and he said, you know, that's half the battle behind the bar. So I, I took on that, that gig as well. I, I started at Beta Mondo. So I was juggling, I was part of the opening staff there at Beta. Um, and simultaneously, um, I had been promoted at the college bar to manager. So I was running the college bar and I was bartending over at Vita Monda. Um, and it was under my, my stay at Vita that I really drank the Kool-Aid, you know, for hospitality mm-hmm. and realized that this industry was something so much more than kind of what I had expected. Um, I loved the culture there. Um, and I loved, you know, that Jordan was passionate about spirits. 
he kind of showed me that, you know, that bartending was, was so much more than just putting stuff in a glass. Um, so I got really into it and they could see that I was really excited about learning new things. And around that same time, Van's good friend, Angela was, you know, um, chirping in his ear saying that she was trying to develop the second floor of her building, um, a couple blocks over. And that's when Van and Jordan put me in touch with Angela and I interviewed for the position of, um, the bar manager at Gaia Pallone. Um, so that, that gets us up to that point. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I went through the interviewing process, made some drinks for them, got to know them a little bit and, um, took that job. I quit my, quit my work at the keg, um, and went full time into, into being the, the bar manager over at Centro and, you know, the future guy of Um, let, let me stop you for a second. Cause I, sure. this is uh okay folks. So if you've been listening to the podcast, or you've read our books or anything, you've heard, probably heard van and, um, Angela and other people in Raleigh and there's such a great I just have to say I'm never ceases to amaze me the type of people that are running independent restaurants here so here Van and Jordan took somebody who was a really important part of their team and openly went to somebody that they knew a friend that was looking for somebody and said hey man this guy would be great so here I mean it's just that kind of hospitality and that kind of way of doing business is such a I just admire it a lot. I really do. If you want, if you go to schedulefly.com folks and you look at the, on our homepage at the bottom, there's a, there's a video about bit Amanda and Van's story. He's an amazing guy. And, and, uh, anyway, that doesn't surprise me. They did that, but it's just not something you hear about a lot because honestly, finding and keeping good people is like one of the hardest things for restaurants to do, uh, right now. And I'm sure it was, you know, not that many years back then too, but they have a different way of, of approaching business and a different philosophy. And I just admired a lot. So anyway, you're amongst great people, man. That's for sure. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> which that's, I, I know you the know. Truth. <laughs> yeah. So, so that kind of got me uh, in the door over at, at Centro. Um, and right when I, I mean, the door had just closed behind me there. Um, we got the news that Gaia Pallone was going to be postponed by a year and a half because of um, restrictions in the historic building that we were doing the renovation in and all this stuff. So here I am. I found myself quitting a, a well, a good, a pretty good paying salary position over at this college bar. That was easy. You know, I could I, it, it wasn't a difficult job. Um, you know, it was it was trying and that it was a different type of clientele, different type of service, all that stuff. But, you know, um, I, I dropped that to do this new thing. And then we found out, oh, no, the bar's not going to open for a year and a half. So I was faced with the decision to either go look for work elsewhere or Angela offered me um, to host, to, to become a host at Centro, making $9 an hour. <laughs> and I just graduated college. Um, I had, you know, my living expenses had, had that definitely increased and quit the salary job. And I went from that to working as a host at Centro because I really believed in what she wanted to do um, with, with Gaia Pallone. Um, I loved what she had already accomplished with Centro and it just felt right. Just like you said, you know, I knew that I was in good company. I knew that I was with people that really cared about what they were doing. Um, and I wanted to be a part of it. So I worked, worked as a host for six months, um, until they had a position for me behind the bar. I bartended for a few months until they had, you know, the, until we could start construction. And then once we were close enough, 
for the business to afford to put me on the salary I was kind of promised, um, they did that. So I stuck around um, and it was really a, a great experience because I got to learn every angle of that restaurant by working all different positions. Um, and it definitely made me, you know, more informed as to opening up this new business um, upstairs. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it if, uh, if I could, I really think it was, it was valuable. Gotcha. And so that was, that was, that takes us up to 2015. We opened up Gaio in March, um, of 2015 and I've been running the, the program there, uh, until today. You said that, uh, it was when you were at, at uh, when working with Van that you started to drink the juice about hospitality and what it could be. And I know that, uh, Angela has very similar philosophies. Tell me more about that. Um, what do you mean? Like what, what opened your eyes and what did you see and what did you see was possible and, um, what changed when you began working there? So one of the, one of the first things I realized was that Angela, that, that, that Centro as a, as a business was a, a beating heart. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it really, it was, it was Angela and Natalia. Her, her cousin Natalia was running the front of house um, at the time and it was this family. I mean, you walked in and you felt warm, you felt cozy. Um, you weren't even thinking about food necessarily. Um, you were just kind of welcomed into this space. And it was a different, you know, Van and, and the crew over there, they have a, um, you know, a similar, it's coming from a similar place, but it, it's still different, you know, and the Latin American um, kind of sense of family um, in that building was both literal and, you know, figurative and, and they welcomed me in and I just, um, I really loved it. And, you know, so, so from coming from, um, I did a split major in, in college with, um, with design and business and everything in business, you know, was all about these numbers. It was about, you know, minimizing your cost and maximizing profits. And so I'm coming in, you know, guns blazing. I want to, I want to do right by, mm. by this woman. And I'm looking at things and, you know, she, from the looks of things, she had never even considered that uh, in, a, in any real sense. You know, like she would do these dinners and things where the menu itself she had put together by hand. It probably took her, you know, five hours to make the menus that she was using for this dinner. They probably cost, you know, six or seven dollars in raw materials plus her time. And the dinner was, you know, a forty dollar ticket to come to the dinner. It was like. I was looking at this from the, from the back end saying like, how are you going to make money? You know, like you're putting all this time and energy into these things. And she's the one that just kept, you know, telling me like, it, it's, it's not about that short game. You know, these people, my vision is they're going to come and have this amazing dinner and they're going to take this menu home with them. And it's going to sit on their dresser because it's this piece of artwork. And, you know, that had never, even as a, as a design student, I, it just, it, I'd never connected the two. Hmm. Um, and you know, the more I got to know Angela, I found out that she was in school at, at UNC for, for art. So we have this connection where we both, you know, went to school to be artists and ended up in the restaurant business. And I think that that, um, is this common language that we share. Um, and that's part of what, part of the reason why we've become partners now and why we want to do something together in the future, um, is that, you know, that, that food and beverage, can be so much more than, than just simply food and beverage. Um, so, yeah. And what you can, you know, I love that story a lot. Um, 
because I'm really fascinated by the idea, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, but the, the measurables versus the immeasurables. The measurable is what you were looking at initially, the cost. The immeasurable, and it's a smart thing to look at, but then the immeasurable is the bigger picture, sort of like, you know, the long game of what this, what can I not measure, but what do I believe in my gut? What do my instincts tell me about the way people will react to this situation and what could that mean? And, and you can't measure that. You don't know. You just, uh, right. but it's, it's, a, it's a style and a philosophy of running a business that focuses less on um, those things that you, I mean, there's, you have to have your, your finger on it a little bit, but, you know, less on that and more on a, a bigger picture. Um, and you described it like a, um, you said a, 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 has a beating heart, right? Is that, t- what was the exact way you put yeah, it? Yeah, that, that, that Cintra was that. It was, it, Cintra was a beating heart, is a beating heart. Yeah. Um, so it's, it was, it was just really interesting to come into an environment that valued experience um, first prioritized experience. And, um, I really related to that and I could get behind it because what was, what made it even easier was the food was fantastic. You know, she was, um, I'm sure that she spoke about it when you interviewed her, but you know, she, she didn't intend on being the chef, you know, she still laughs and, and shies away when people call her chef Salamanca, um, because she was a chef by necessity when our chef passed away. Um, and she always had a love of food, but she never saw herself in that light. And so coming into this business and tasting her food, tasting these recipes that are just, you know, amazing. Um, it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, the food's good. But like, let's let's make this a beautiful experience for everybody. And so that tied into, you know, the way that we communicate with the guests, um, you know, the way our menus are designed, the way that we train our staff I mean, everything. Um and the proof is in the pudding. You know, Centra is the, the longest, to my knowledge, it's the longest running restaurant, aside from McDonald's, on Wilmington Street in downtown Raleigh. It's been there 11 years this September. And, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it really is awesome. It really is. Um, but no surprise, though, uh, if you know Angela and uh, just know the way she runs that business and the passion and love she has for it is um, is really contagious. Um, okay. So you two are now working on something, um, going forward, a new project. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm very curious. What, what are y'all doing? So we, you know, like I said, we, we got together to do, um, Gaia Pallone because we wanted to bring something that was missing from North Carolina, which was mezcal. Um, you know, you could get some mezcal cocktails, you know, around town, but no one was really focusing their, their, their program on it. And, um, and it was this, this amazing spirit. Um, and obviously in, in bigger markets, Mezcal bars had, had, have come up, um, but we were the first in North Carolina and it was all about bringing that experience and that flavor and the culture and everything that goes into it to, you know, our friends and guests. Um, so in the same vein, we're, we're opening up a new restaurant concept um, based around Nixtamal, um, which I'm sure that there are, are businesses in North Carolina that use the process. Um, I'm not sure how many are celebrating it, but it's it's the way that you make tortillas in Mexico. Um, you're you know you're using heirloom Mexican corn, which is richer um, tenfold in nutrition. Um, 
than a lot of the domestic corns that we use here. Um, and you have to treat it with an alkaline solution to break down kind of the, the shell of the kernel um, because they're super dense. The growth cycle is longer uh, in Mexico. And once you break down that shell, you can grind the corn with a special grinder. And what comes out is dough. So, you know, as opposed to handmade or homemade tortillas that most people are familiar with, where you use, you know, ground masa, you add water seasoning and create a dough and then press that and cook it on a flat top. This is taking straight corn, 100%, grinding it, and what comes out becomes the tortilla um, and without, you know, manipulation of water and, and seasoning and things like that. Um, what is the process called? It's called nixtamalization. So N I X T A M A L ization. Okay. Um, and it's it's essentially that cooking a, a hard grain um, in a in an alkaline solution and then processing it. So we'll be basing the whole menu, uh, you know, around nixtamal, um, doing tortillas as our you know as the big thing, but also doing tamales and gorditas and any other corn based um, item that we can. We're gonna step outside the box too and do some fun new things that we haven't seen done before. Um, so it's, it's a new opportunity to bring something super traditional and, and present it in a very traditional way, but also have part of the menu that's very playful. And, you know, we, we shy away from the fusion term, but, you know, using the, the cuisine that, you know, that I grew up with here in North Carolina and playing around with some fun things. That's really cool. So where are you in the process? So right now um, we are, we're going to be part of the Durham Food Hall, which um, which should be opening up um, by the end of this year. Okay. Um, and so we're going to have the, the flagship of this will be in that food hall. Um, the company is called Exvoto, E-X-V-O-T-O. Exvoto, um, okay. What does that mean? And Exvotos are, are this, it's a cultural kind of art form. Um, it's an offering that you would have commissioned and you would take it to a church um, and lay it at the altar. But if you, if you search ex votos, typically they're, um, crafted by kind of, uh, amateur artists. So the, the art becomes kind of comical. Um, and a lot of times the stories that people are giving thanks for are tall tales. Um, it, it, a lot of these come from really rural parts of Mexico. Um, so there's lots of, you know, miracles that are witnessed that someone wants to give thanks for. And so they would go to the artist and say, this is what I saw. This is what happened. I need you to draw this. And they would they would make a drawing and then they would write kind of the story underneath. And then the person would take that to, to church and um, give thanks. Um, so we're kind of basing that around the, the concept of this is our offering. This is another thing that we're, um, you know, bringing to the state. Um, and it's a really it's a really fun new way of looking at at uh, Nixtamal. Wow, that's really cool. That's exciting. Yeah, so this this will be happening at the food hall, and then the plan is to open up a production site here in Raleigh and start selling these tortillas wholesale. Um, you know, getting them out into into grocery stores, getting them into restaurants, um, possibly selling the nixtamalized corn um, to other restaurants if they want to manipulate it in different ways. Um, but basically, bringing that process. Um, in a bigger scale to, to North Carolina. So this is, this is a really, I mean, this is a, this isn't a process we'll find anywhere else around here. It sounds like. Right. I mean, there, there's some people doing it uh, on a small scale. I mean, the reason no one's doing it 
more is it's super labor intensive. Um, and so it's much easier to buy dried, you know, maseca and, and press your tortillas and do it that way. Um, but the flavor, I mean, anyone who's traveled through Mexico and had fresh tortillas there, you know, there's, there's no substitution for it. Um, and we, we found, uh, we went and worked down in the kitchen, um, in, in South Carolina, there's a restaurant called Monero. Um, and they're doing this process down there. Sean Brock's crew, um, led us in the kitchen there and, uh, showed us the process, how they do it. We learned a lot from them, um, which is really great. And so now we're going to try to do it here. We were a few months out, our machine, our grinder is being made, uh, as we speak in, in California, um, and we should have it in a couple weeks. Oh, wow. Well, that's really cool. So, um, do you go into it with, um, excitement as well as, I mean, are there, do you have concerns or what's your mindset going? I'm, I, you know, I haven't really spoken to anybody in a while, kind of pre-opening, going into something, particularly a new concept like that. What's going on through your mind? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely anxious to get the ball rolling. You know, it's, it's always, unless you, unless you're made of money um, and have all the time in the world, you know, you can't really, um, you can't really pause what you're doing elsewhere in life just just to put energy into the the new project um so right now i'm you know simultaneously managing you know these two restaurants and bar programs and then trying to put some of my you know creative juices into this new thing um so we're we're far enough out where that's not an issue um but you know i know that in the coming months it's going to be something to tackle. Um, so we've just hired my replacement, um, at, at Centro and we started training him today, um, so, to free up some of my time, but I'm, I'm super excited about it. I think um, it's, it's high time that food halls came to North Carolina and, you know, we, we had been talking to, to a food hall here in Raleigh, trying to get the ball rolling there. Um, we just couldn't quite get it to work out. And then we got the opportunity in Durham and it, it seems like a really good fit for us. Um, and especially to introduce this thing, you know, it's a, a small scale uh, restaurant concept and we'll see if people are, are into it and hopefully they are and we can just keep growing. Um, definitely the long term plan is to open up, you know, three, four or five of these in North Carolina um, in the in the coming years. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, so well, that's a big that's a bit really big opportunity for you, for sure. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh, go ahead. I, I think we were, well, you know, Angela and I knew that we, we had really enjoyed, we have really enjoyed working with each other over the past few years. And, um, you know, it was, it was getting to be the time where I was ready to, to, you know, start my own thing. And about the same time, Angela was getting the itch for her next thing. And, you know, we were, we were kind of going about it quietly in different directions. We hadn't really spoken too much about it, but our, you know, we were just brainstorming. And we casually had a conversation about what we were thinking about doing next. And it was almost exactly the same idea. And we said, well, shoot, you know, why, why do this two different ways? Why not team up and, and you know, do this together? Um, and it, it just, you know, I couldn't imagine a, a better, better person to be in business with. And, you know, it'll, it should be really fun. What, um, let me ask you this, what, and you've touched on this a little bit, but like, what do you, what is the biggest thing you've learned from Angela? Oh man. Um, let me think. 
the biggest thing I've learned from her, um, I think she's taught me a lot about being a, a strong leader. Um, and, you know, it's a thing that I strive for all the time. Um, she is, she leads from, you know, from her heart and she takes care of her people um, first and foremost. I mean, if, if you need anything, she's going to make sure that, that you have it and she'll mm-hmm. find a way. Um, so I think it's, she just told me a different perspective of running a business, you know, being selfless, um, making sure that you're being responsible with the business so that you can continue to provide for the people that work for you. Um, But, you know, it's not all about that bottom line. It's not all about how much money can they make for you. It's really about giving all these people a a great life and a happy work environment and, you know, something to be proud of. And, you know, I've, I feel I'd like to think that I had that all that in me already. I mean, I was raised by, you know, a good family and I've had a good life and um, all that. But, you know, it just made so much more sense coming from her from a business perspective. You know, it was just like I'm, she opened that business to give opportunities to people. And it wasn't about bringing a better Mexican food to Raleigh. It wasn't about her you know showcasing her talents or what you know it wasn't about that it was about this is an opportunity doing something that i know that my family has some history in and i can give a bunch of people who who need work i can give them a better working environment and i just thought that was really cool and it's and it you know it shows that it works you know there's people that have been working for her for you know eight nine years um you know and and they're their family and they, they go have dinner at her house. You know, she, I think one of the first things that really struck me about Angela was I went away on a, on a vacation. Um, I was pulled away. It wasn't really a vacation, but I had to leave town for a week um, earlier on in my time with her. And when I came home, she had come by and mowed my lawn because she saw that my grass had gotten high and she was just doing something, you know, selfless she knew that it was going to be a stress on me when i got back she knew that it wasn't the best circumstances that had me leave and she's just that type of woman so that's who i want to work with and that's who hopefully i've become and who others would want to work for oh yeah absolutely absolutely that's an amazing story yeah an amazing lady for sure well no wonder uh what a great partner and i'm sure you guys will have a lot of fun and that's extremely exciting project i can't wait to kind of just keep in touch with y'all and see how it's going and um would love to get up there and check it out so when you said you think you're open in at the end of the year yeah the, the the targeted date is november 1st so it's rapidly approaching um but you know if if this food hall is anything like the other couple of food halls that have been trying to get up and going in the triangle here um you know we, we might have some delays but yeah, sooner sooner than later. The, the construction has started. Um, the, it's in the Liberty Building, right across from the farmers market. Um, and as a food hall, the, the food hall has a stance on, you know, supporting all those local farmers. Um, and so it's part of the contract, you know, that everyone that's involved in this food hall is using local as much local Durham produce as possible. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And uh, excited to get you know get get pressing <laughs> absolutely uh, well what a, well yeah what an exciting time for sure um and congratulations marshall and best of luck to you and angela uh you've got a 
wonderful uh, organization that you're a part of, and I know you are busy, especially with all that going on, so I want to respect your time, but I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and you have a really cool story, and um, just know you guys will be successful, but I, I know there's there's no guarantees, but you, you all just keep doing what you're doing, and things will work out great, and uh, I'm really excited for you and wish you uh, all the best. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, well, cool. Well, listen, we'll let you roll. We'll talk again soon. Uh, y'all get after it, and thanks a lot, and uh, I'll let you know when uh, I'm heading that way. Okay, sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right, take care, Marshall. Bye-bye. Bye.